Wasn't that just absolutely awesome? What a beautiful song uh, that just touches our hearts. You know, they just, just get away with Him uh, into the reality of what He has done for us, what He has given to us. Hallelujah. Well, today, just move the <coughs> communion elements away here. Um, we're going to talk about the love of God in a very simple way, and we're going to just look at uh, Webster's definition of love. We're going to go into the depths of that love and just define what love really is. And the reason why we're going to go into that is found in the, um, in the following verse here. And we can see in Matthew 6 there, it says <clears throat> in verse 21, For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. The light of the body is the eye. And if therefore your eye be single, your whole body will be full of light. Church, it says there, if our eye is single, the whole body will be full of light. And that is such a, such an important word there. That word single there. And we're going to look at that word single quickly. Um, and I hope, it, yeah, there it is. It's from the first Greek word, which is the word uh, alpha. And then this word, uh, plek, which also means to twine or to braid to plate. So what it says there, it talks about the alpha or the original braiding. That is what a singleness of eye actually means. Original braiding. Now what is significant about that? What is significant about that is the following. In the beginning, um, oh you know just before I did this webcast, I just went online on Google and I just searched braiding, you know, or braided hair. And you will see that you cannot braid with less than, two, uh, less than three strands of hair. So um, I remember when I would sit down and just braid Elena's hair. I couldn't do a good job though, but you, you take the three and you fold them and you braid the hair. And what it talks about, it, uh, uh, what, what God talks about in through Jesus Christ in Matthew 6, 21, he says that, um, for those of you that watch in Afrikaans braiding, uh, I wouldn't have known what it is if I didn't check it up. I mean, it betekent a flechsel. Okay? So when you braid hair, you know, it, you take the three, you, you join it together. And what he, what he says there is, when your eye is single, it, it means that your way of understanding, the light that enters your life, is of the original union of the braiding where there was three which is father son and holy spirit so if we have if we don't find our identity in the context in matthew 6 there is money if we don't find our identity in the money or in what we attain in this life but we find our identity in the original union that there was between the father son and holy spirit where we were braided in together, where we are united in together with the Father. Um, I saw this one picture where they would braid a, um, a piece of string or something that's of a beautiful color into the hair. And that's the very same thing as what happened to us. We were braided into the Trinity. And here it says, and I'm reading it again, the light of the body is the eye, the enlightenment of your body, the enlightenment of your life is how you perceive things, how you see things. 
And if your eye, if the revelation you have is of your union with the original braiding, the original folding together, if you are folded together in union with which was before time, which is the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, it says, then your physical body and your life shall be full of light. Now, that is awesome. It will enlighten your life. Um, if, we, if we look at Jesus' life, Jesus' life, um, he says, the Bible says, in him, in Jesus, was life. And the life that he has is what enlightens man. It is the light of every man. So, the life of Christ, when we behold the life of Jesus, and we don't relate to Jesus as we, according to the flesh anymore, meaning Jew or Gentile, we relate to Jesus according to who He is today as a resurrected, glorified human being in the Trinity. And we behold the kind of life He has. And when the life He possesses, and how he functioned in union with the Father, where the Father is not against him, but where the Father is for him, where the Father is not works conscious as pertaining to the Son, but God conscious as pertaining to the Son. For in the Son is the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and this fullness of God dwelling in the body of Jesus is the revelation or the light that life he lives is the light of every man. Now, let's read Matthew 6 again. I'm sorry if I go to and fro so many times, but let's read it again. It says, the light of the body is the eye. But we see here that Jesus is the light. So if once your eye, your way of looking at things, see that perfect braiding between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the perfect braiding where human flesh was completely braided together, united with God. If that is the revelation, the way you look at things as pertaining to your own life, your whole body will be full of light. And that light is the life inside you. It will bring you life. So, it's very important when we look at the love of God that we, um, that we look at it from the perspective of what happens in the Trinity, how God loves, and that that love that He has there was extended towards man, where God is not sin-conscious, where God is not works-conscious, where God is not even... Um, you know, <clears throat> slavery conscious, where he tries to enslave people to get into, um, you know, to become these servants. That is not what he's, he's about. What God is about is giving you life. That is what he's about. He's about having you experience his quality of life. That is what it's all about and nothing less than that. So, when we look at the love of God, we're going to look at 1 Corinthians 13. I'm just going to quote that. It says, 1 Corinthians 13 says this so clearly. It says, If we can give all we have, but we don't have love, we are nothing. Even if we give our body to be burnt and we don't have love, we are still nothing. So, what is this love? 
How can this love be defined? Now, let's go to uh, 1 John. I'm just going to find 1 John here quickly. 1 John 4 and 11. Or let's read from verse... Um, we're going to read from verse 10. It says, Herein is the love of God, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. So here it says, herein is the love of God. Here can we see the love of God displayed. Here is the love of God on display, in the display window, where we can see what love is. He gave His Son as the sacrifice for our sins. And then it goes on, it says, Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. That ought um, can mean this is what is supposed to happen to one another. And the Greek meaning of that word ought there uh, also means we owe it to each other. And I'm going to explain that, um, th that indebtedness that is, uh, that is talked about there so that we cannot feel that we, we are indebted in the sense of if we don't do it, we're going to go to hell or something like that. Right. So we see the love of God as God giving His Son as the sacrifice for our sins. That is the love of God. Now, He gave His Son, if you read chapter 2, He says, not just for our sins, but for that of the whole world. He was the sacrifice for all people, for the world. And then John 3.16 says, For God so agape the world that He gave His only begotten Son. So there was something in the heart of God um, before man ever did anything wrong, before man ever believed in God. Do you know that God loves those that don't believe in Him? Yeah, God loves those that don't believe in Him. God loves those that are in the world. God loves the Muslim. God loves the Hindu. God loves the Buddhist. God loves, He doesn't rejoice with unrighteousness, but He loves the person. He loves the human. Uh, you know, in this last two weeks, you know, I've, I've spoken to somebody and um, I've, basically I think I spoke about this in the healing message as well. I'm not sure. Uh, next Sunday I will read the testimony. But I spoke to a person that went through a very rough time in her life uh, when she was a child. Um, you know, wrong things was done to her as a child and later in her life she got involved with sacrifices and all those kind of things which was not good you know I don't even want I don't want to go into detail about what happened there but this person said to me that uh, that she since she started to listen to my message uh, on my website that was um, I think in September this year she kind of got more and more upset and frustrated because the more she heard about innocence the more she heard about the love of God the more she wanted to go back to the things that she has done in her past. Now, her story is like this. She did something, some very bad things. And then after that, she went uh, to a person that prayed for her and did deliverance. And she was set free from demons and all those kind of things. Then she started to, she got married, got a child, started to live a very happy life. And she says she's married to the one of the best guys you can find. She's happily married and everything. And then she finds, as she listens to the message of grace, or the message of God's love, and she got it from me, uh, um, uh, Andrew Womack, Joseph Prince, I think. I'm not sure. But some of the, 
people that's known for preaching grace. And as she was listening to that, and especially listening to my message, she felt that she was um, becoming more and more frustrated. And I had a, a Skype meeting with her, talking to her. And I mean, if somebody tells you, listen, the more I listen to your message, the kind of more I want what you talk about, but the less I know I'll ever have it, and frustrates me. I mean, listening to another message is not going to be the answer. And uh, so I sat there and I thought, Lord, you know, how will I answer this lady? And um, as I started to pray in my spirit, I just felt the Lord gave the answer. And this is it. I said to her, you know what happened? You did these things and then you became a Christian and you were told that you were forgiven for the bad things that you have done. Then she felt that she was a person that did very bad things, but God is not angry at the bad things that she has done, never separating her. Now, by thinking that way, she was never separated from what she's done. She has always and forever, if you believe that, if you believe that you've done something very bad, God has just forgiven you of what you've done, you will forever carry the guilt of what you've done. For you always say, I'm a guilty person that has been forgiven. I should have been in jail, but I'm not. I've committed the crime. I should have been in jail, but I'm not. Because, you know, Jesus in some way decided to forgive me and not keep it against me. You'll always feel like a free, a, 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 a person that actually belongs in jail, but he's free. That is not true freedom. And what I said to her, I said, and this was the wisdom of God. I said, what you need to hear is that God says that you have not committed those crimes. It was sin in you for what you wanted to do, you didn't do. And what you didn't want to do, that you did, which was all these bad things. And you're even sorry for what you've done until today. Even so glad that God will not send you to hell for this, for the things that happened, and you are completely against that. And the Apostle Paul says, if the good that I want to do, if I don't do that, and the bad that I don't want to do, I do it, I must come to the conclusion that it's not I who do it, but sin in me that took me captive, used my body, and commits these sins through my body and then the worst thing of it all is to after you've committed it to say it is you that have done it after sin in the flesh committed the crimes in your flesh and through your hands and through your mouth and through your actions after that you want to tell you it was you then you want to take ownership of the bad thing you've done instead of saying the thing that brings this forth is sin in my flesh and it is activated by legalism and law. And let me hear the truth about myself as God sees me, that I can know myself as I've always been known by God, so that I can believe upon His truth, that I can have an eye wherein I see that original union, that original uh, a place where I'm united with God, braided in with the Father. Amen. And the Son and the Holy Spirit, that I can say, um, I can have the life of that, the light of that revelation enlightened my emotions, enlightened my mind. As I shared this with her, she started to sob and she was completely set free from all that guilt and condemnation. And I also prayed and spoke to her subconscious mind and just uh, spoke the truth to her belief system, to her heart. And the very same way with the love of God. When God loves you, He sees you 
and he knows you as he has always known you. And the way he's always known you is, is with singleness of eye. If the Bible says if your eye is single, your whole body will be full of light. And if Jesus is the light of the world, then his eye must be single. God's eye must be single. Single meaning braided with the original, the original braiding. That is how Jesus looks at you. Now, when Jesus looks at a human, when the Father looks at a human, He sees this person belongs in this, or through Christ, is braided into God. But this person doesn't believe the truth, therefore he's not born of this truth, but he, the life he lives is born of the lie he lives. And then he sees we belong with him, we are his kind. He sees the human Jesus braided into the Godhead and once one with, uh, with him and he sees every human being belonging there. That's how he knows you. That's how he, he, that's how he saw man from the beginning. From the beginning he said, I will not relate to man outside of a physical undying, glorified human in the Trinity. That was his only plan. He came, he made that true in Jesus Christ. He then brought that truth to us. And when we can see that with, if we can have that singleness of eye, you know what will happen to us? We will have the life that's possessed in Christ, manifesting in our bodies. That is the light of the body. That's what it's all about. Glory to God. So, um, when we're going to look at the love of God, I'm just going to look at some of Webster's definitions and just say, talk about love and, and what love is. You know, when God loved you, and I've also said this in, on Facebook, He didn't love you for no reason. He didn't love you just because He couldn't do anything else. He loves you for a reason. And we're going to look at some of the definitions. Some of them that I've given is old, others, um, others, others are new. Um, it says here uh, what love means. It says, according to Webster's, it says to regard with affection. To regard with affection. You know, if, um, if like Aubrey sitting here with me, if I, if I regard him, if I, we were, we were just at friends, you know, if I regard him as my son and I hold him, you know, and I kiss him on his cheek, maybe he doesn't like it that much, but I do. And I, I, I do it like, I, I, sh I regard him with passion, with an affection. And that is, why? He is my son. He is blood of my blood. I am, to a certain degree, living inside him. He's got my mannerisms. He, um, he, if people see two pictures, your pictures of us together, they say, uh, uh, like father, like son. I I, I can see a picture of myself. I can see how I look inside him. You know, and, I, and, and when I see him and I see my kind, my friend, I can regard him with a passion. Even as I talk about it now, I'm regarding with a passion. Um, on, and this says here, on account of some qualities which excite pleasing sensations or desire of gratification. So, when I do this, I don't do it just because 
He's just another person. No, I do it because there's a revelation. There's something that when I look at him, or when I look at Hendry, or I look at Bertus, or I look at Helena, uh, um, uh, which, which I say, I am united with them. I'm one with them. And there's something in them. There's some qualities inside them that just excites this emotion or the sensation or desires inside me, which is pleasing. I feel so pleased when I behold them. And you know, that is outside of works. That's outside of works. Um, if I look at, at Aubrey, for instance, if he got the highest marks, and he's good in school, but if he gets the highest marks, I don't think my son whom I love because he gets high marks. I think of Aubrey, I think of his personality, I think of his way of smiling, I think of his sense of humor, I think of our union together, I think that's what I think of. And then I, it, it, it produces something in me. The same with Elena, the same with my other kids. And this is what the Bible says happens in the heart of God when He sees you. Sailor. Sailor means be quiet and think a bit, ponder a bit on that. God, when He sees you, forget the one next to you, when God sees you, there's this burning desire of, or this burning passion, uh, these the sensations of pleasure that brings forth gratification, where he's got gratitude in his heart to know you, to have something to do with you. For God so loved the world. Please don't think that God starts to love you after you've received forgiveness of sins. That is the biggest lie. If we think that, we will think that God can harm us. God will never harm you. God will never bring any harm to you. He will always bring that which is good to you. And it is not what the Bible calls, the Bible says the, the love does not behave un, uh, unseemly or in a rude way. What it means is the love of God will not be a love where He breaks your arm to teach you a lesson. He can never do that. Now I, I don't know why I'm saying that, but I, I've said this so many times long ago and we would think this is common knowledge for everybody, but I want to say that for something sp someone specific watching this live webcast today. You think that you are sitting in front of uh, your computer watching this, you've got sickness in your body, and you think, Lord, you're getting me to a place where I can rest, where I can just sit, and you, you got me to this place where I can sit down and listen to this webcast. No. Stuff happens, and now you, you sit, and then God brings this over your path. That's all. It's not, he didn't break your leg. He didn't break your arm. He didn't injure your back. Whatever it is to get you to listen to this. He's not going to do that. What he will do is he will work in your heart to want to watch something. He will make you see. You will see this link on Facebook and say, let me watch this. Because when he looks at you, he's, there's a burning passion inside you, inside him for you. When he looks at you, he says, this is what I've dreamt all my life. I, he dreamt you, he designed you, he planned you, he brought you forth. You might say, but I wasn't even planned. You know, I, my mom got pregnant with, it was not even planned. So what? <laughs> 
So what? The life that is inside you comes from God. He planned you. He's, he, he envisioned you. When you were born, when you cried your first cry, when you took your first breath, the heavens was flooded with joy for you. Not because of what you're going to do for God. Not because of the achievements you can, not because of who you can ever reach for Him. Just because of you. There's someone of my kind. The way we feel about our own children when they are born. You hold them. You love them. They haven't done anything. They cannot even do anything. But you love them with a love where you will give your life. Glory to God. That's how God loves you. Why? Because we live and move and have our being in God. We are His own kind. If we even love our dog that way, we love our dogs. We love our animals. I mean, we've been away for three, three days. We come back. We're longing to see our dogs. How much more our own children and a billion times more God towards us? Not because, that's how He feels towards the church. Uh, to, not towards the church, towards the whole world. Towards everybody. Now listen to the next thing here. Love. An affection of the mind excited by beauty and worth. So, you, in your situation where you have cheated on your wife, where you've lied to your parents, where you've done all those bad things, where you've stolen, we, in that situation, God could see something inside you, something beautiful and of worth that brings forth an excitement of His mind. Why? Because God has got singleness of eye. That means He looks at the original plan, the original braiding. That's the way He looks. And that is the light inside the life of Jesus Christ. If Jesus, what enlightened Christ in His life in this world, what brought forth, even on the mount, um, we call the mount of transfiguration, the Bible just says a, a bright light shone over them. You know, basically, or we can, we can, oh, there's a lot of things it says there, but um, let's, let's say the transfiguration where this light came and Jesus was transfigured into light, where light shone out of him. What happened there? Where, where did that light come from? It only came from one thing. Jesus saw how he was braided into the Godhead. He, was, he had singleness of eye. He didn't see himself as separate from God. He saw himself as one with God. In human flesh, for he didn't have a physical father of this earth. God was his father. His body he got from Mary, but he saw God as his father. Even at the age of 12, he was at the temple saying, I must be about my father's business. You know, my I must be at my father's house. Knowing God is his father. Father in Judaism meaning one with God, equal with God. That's what he said. And then he took himself in this human form and went and sat at the right hand of the Father so that we today can have singleness of eye. That we today can say we see ourselves braided, um, we see ourselves in the original braiding. Glory to God. The original union. That we can have that. Why? That we can have the very same light that illuminates Christ, illuminate our thoughts, our, our, our intellect, the way we feel about others. Glory to God. Amen. We're going to look at two more points there. Then we finish. It says, 
um, we speak of love, uh, we, we speak of the love of amusements, the love of a book, the love of money, um, the love of whatsoever contributes to our pleasure or profit. We love whatsoever contributes to our pleasure or profit. Glory to God. What does the Bible say? A guy went, he sold everything he had to buy a field to get the treasure in the field. Why? Because, because that treasure is profitable to the guy who sells everything. And Jesus Christ came, he gave his everything, he bought the field, which is the earth with us in it, so that he could have the treasure, which is us. We are God's treasure. You never lost your value when you uh, believed the lie. I just feel prophetically to tell you, some people watching here, don't flirt with legalism and law. Don't flirt with it. It will kill you. It will destroy you. It will, it will bring to you an evil eye. That's what it says in Matthew there. Your eye can either be single or evil. The word evil in the Greek means to be full of labors or annoyances. I've shown it many times. I'm not going to show it again. To be full of labor and annoyances. So, we don't want the annoyance. We don't want to be full of labor. We don't want any of that. What we want is we want to have that original view not flirting with the law where we have the original view braided together with god but now we want to braid works in there as well no just use three father son i mean one with a son he's got a, the fullness of the godhead dwells in him bodily and we have a body we are one with him in christ and the spirit this braiding is one with the spirit intertwined inter intermingled don't try and have another strand there called works trying to Break this in. It's not going to work. The way we do it is we want to see what God sees. And this is what he says. He says his love, love is that which we have for things that amuses us, like a book or money or uh, it is a love for anything that contributes to our pleasure. Now that sounds like a, a very selfish love. Well, it can be selfish, but what if... We bring God pleasure. Should He then not love us? Should He then be against us? No. As you love your child, God loves you. You bring Him pleasure. It didn't bring Him pleasure to see sin in the flesh destroying His treasure. Therefore, He gave His Son and He created a body wherein, and this body was prepared, so that all death could enter that body and die away. That is what happened. That all sin and the consequences of sin could come to its full extent, which is complete death. And so we could see the righteousness of God manifest in bringing life to us. Glory to God. And now we can have that life. You know, as we can see that truth. As we can believe that. So God loves us, but he doesn't love what kills us. Therefore, he gave a body, prepared a body to end what kills us, to kill the virus. 
Glory to God. Then we say that the last part here is the love of God. Um, listen to this. This is beautiful. And we're going to get to the part where it says we ought to love one another. The love of God is the first duty of man. Now that sounds like law and legalism and obligation. But let, let us just continue and, and hear what it says. It says, and this springs from just views of God's attributes and excellencies of character which affords the highest delight to the sanctified heart. What it says here is, love is what happens in your heart on account of beholding the excellencies of character and attributes that is inside God. So when we see God not denying Himself, neither denying your design, neither ever, ever, walking outside of singleness of eye, the original braiding. When we see He never walks outside of that, what do we find? We find love coming forth in our hearts. Now, I owe my son love in this way, not as you better pay him love and better love him. No, the way in which I owe him love is this way. Since he is made in the image and likeness of God, since I am made in the image and likeness of God, since there is a human in the Trinity, there is only one way wherein we can behold one another. So the only thing that is fair towards my son, the only thing that's fair towards me from his side, the only thing that's fair from my side towards any race or any nation is to behold that person from, from that braided union where there is a human in the Godhead, where we have singleness of eye. That is the only thing I owe them, just to walk in the truth about Him. That is it. Why do we say we owe Him that? We owe Him that because that is the truth about Him. And anything else than that, it's not an indebtedness as if, you know, if I don't, owe, if I don't give it to Him, then God's going to punish me. It's an owing as if, if I don't walk in that way, I'm walking in a lie. That's it. Let us, we ought, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another that way. Why? Because what is true about the one is true about the other one. Glory to God. Amen. That is how we can love one another. That's how I can, when I preach even here, um, you know, when I think of you, I think of you in the lines, along the lines of uh, being united with God, being one with Him, being uh, in the Spirit, we are all together. In the Spirit, we live in this absolute love and passion together where we see life and abundance of life manifesting where there's no um, obligation but just an acknowledgement of the truth where I can look at you, where I can look at my son, where I can look at my wife, where I can look at the neighbor from a place where God looks at him and I find then this very same passions and, and gratitude, you know, rising up in my heart. Glory to God. That you cannot fake, my friend. That God brings forth. Amen and amen. I want to end off uh, with this, with, with the, the last meaning here. Uh, patriotism. The attachment one has to his native land. That is love. Patriotism. The attachment one has to his native land or to where he feels he belongs. That is how God feels about you, my friend. He feels he belongs 
with you. It's like loving the shade of a tree. You love to sit there. Why? Because it's beautiful to you. The Bible says God rests in His love for you. Would it be okay if you can today enter into the rest that He has in His love for you? He loves you. Glory to God. He loves you. People, that's what I've had on my heart to share with you guys. And I trust that this will really bless you. Let me say one or two things for clarification. I'm not saying that we can just go out and live a life of sin or something like that. I, you know, I, I only say this because the Holy Spirit reminds me to say this because there can be people that think that's what we say. That's not what we're saying. I want to tell you that this love that He has for you will bring forth love in your heart. You, when we can be, your, your life will be enlightened by having singleness of eye. If your eye can be single, if the revelation you have can be only one revelation of the original Brady and no other, glory to God, your whole life will be enlightened with the life of God, spirit, soul, and body. Glory to God. Thank you so much for joining us in this. If you would like to testify about what these messages mean to you, please do so. I will see you guys next Sunday. I trust that you will be greatly blessed. I also want to thank everybody that uh, contribute financially towards Dynamic Love Ministries. It's wonderful to see your faithfulness, um, even during this time in the Christmas season. Uh, of your faithfulness and giving towards the ministry. It's wonderful. That enables us to minister and preach the gospel the way we do. Thank you so much and God bless you.
sounds your praise. 